This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate. It's time for a community interview on NPR. All right, guys, it is community interview time once again on the morning show here on Two People's Radio. And this morning I am joined by Justine Sachs. Good morning, uh, Justine. How's it going? Kia Great, thanks. Good to be here. Excellent. Excellent. Glad to hear it. Um, now, the reason that I'm talking to you this morning is because um, – like like many people, I, I've been watching with uh, dismay and uh, kind of rising dread all the stuff that's been going down in Wellington. And uh, you're kind of one of the instrumental people um, behind a, a campaign called Aotearoa Stronger Together, which is trying to kind of undo some of the complicated knot of unpleasant garbage that, that led us into the current situation. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, I wouldn't say I'm uh, one of the instrumental people because there's a really awesome core group of um, community organisers, activists, concerned citizens just from Ponakin, like the rest of the, you know, motu who've come together and it's been sort of a privilege to to just like work alongside them these last few weeks. Um, But I am spokesperson, so (laughs) you you get to talk to me. Um, Yeah, like, um, you know, I think like, like, like everybody else, we sort of felt just incredibly um, distressed watching the scenes unfold um, at the lawns of Parliament these last few weeks. I think especially yesterday was um, an escalation and I think everybody, people might be feeling a bit shaken, which I think is completely valid. And so, like, we just, you know, that the, the feeling of disempowerment, of watching the airwaves be kind of taken over by what is a fringe group and um and to have the silent majority, which is what we felt like, you know, the silent majority, the people like, you know, people like us who just sort of got on with it, got vaccinated, care about public health, want to keep our community safe, um, care about immune compromised people just being sidelined um, and not, listen, you know, just not being heard. Um, and I think like that thing about, you know, people want public health is for people. Um, and we need to organise for public health and whether it's, you know, we're talking to pro- to anti-vax, the anti-vax movement and kind of combating that and misinformation and conspiracy theories or even taking it to the government when they don't provide, you know, adequate uh, PPE for essential workers, et cetera, et cetera. It's like public health is for people and um, we need people, we need to put the P in public health, yeah. So that's kind of where that's from is like we need a, we need a social movement for public health um, and we need to show that, this is the majority of people who want public health measures. Um, yeah, so that's kind of where that all came from. Yeah, I mean, you kind of hit an interesting point on the way past about about kind of talking to public health officials because I think, you know, a lot of the discussion that you see on on social media is either people saying that the protests uh, protesters are saints and and have never done anything wrong, or that they're all all deluded dupes or or all Nazis. But I think uh, a thing that gets skipped over there is there are valid critiques of the way that the government's handled this whole mess. Um, And in my opinion, almost none of those are raised by the uh, anti-mandate protests. Um, Yeah, and and it's it's important to have a 
uh, forum where you can make those kind of critiques about like we we could be doing this better rather than we shouldn't be doing it at all. Absolutely. I mean, like, and that's the thing. It's like um, there's no space. You either, you know, it's either the our official pandemic response or the, what we hear from the opposition and from these fringe movements is anti-public health sentiment. I mean, it's not reflective of, of what the majority of us are concerned about. The majority of us want public health measures and we want the government to do better. You know, 50% of New, of New Zealanders support the current public health measures, but 25% want more stringent measures. That's 60, 75% of people who are like, yeah, public health and and a good contingent of people who want more, like more measures to keep us safe. So the idea like to like this, like um, dichotomy between the official pandemic response and then only hearing from people who, who, you know, basically, I don't know, want a rugged individualist hellscape where um, everyone is free to uh, get ill and potentially really, really sick or die from COVID. You know, that's like the only two things that we're really presented with as an option. And it's just, it's it's undemocratic to be honest. I feel that um, we're, the, the 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 silent majority is is just not being heard. So that's what Aotearoa Stronger Together is about, and it's also just about like recognizing that what is going to get us through this and what has gotten us through this is um, solidarity and our social bonds with one another, and the idea that we actually do. Unfortunately, you know, not unfortunately, fortunately, we exist in relation to one another. Our, uh, we're in, our safety is interlinked, our health is interlinked, and you can't ignore that. And so for us, hearing all this rhetoric about community and love and peace from, from the protests, it, it rang really hollow because you can't talk about community if you don't talk about, actually, I have a responsibility in my community to help keep us safe. It's a collective thing. So to me, um, just really wanted to get a have a different conversation and pivot that and and also just acknowledge like that we you know the sacrifices and the work and how we held each other throughout this pandemic it meant you know like we did that because we care about one another we we do want to keep each other safe and um i just yeah i just really resent being sort of have the conversation be sort of held um hostage by just these really like narrow kind of conceptions of how we talk about these things yeah so that's what i was stronger together is about and i see a role for that, for our, this group and that co copper beyond, um, you know, now that these protests have hopefully ended. Uh, so yeah, yeah. I I, I think uh, a thing I meant to say at the start is that we record because this will probably get repeated a few times on air. So this is being recorded on the third of March. Um, it's one of those things that you kind of need to say at the moment because situations <laughs> evolve so rapidly that you need to like signpost for people the point at which you were talking and, and what you could feasibly have known at that point um i've been yeah. <laughs> listening to a bunch of uh, a bunch of stuff that was recorded before everything went down yesterday and it all it all sounds a bit strange in in retrospect um you you made an interesting point there about the kind of collective responsibility because that's like that's the fundamental point it feels to me where the the rhetoric i've I've heard coming out of people who support this uh protest kind of falls to bits because there's this kind of my body my choice line which which stops making sense at the point where what you do with your body um impacts the people around you exactly well that's exactly right it is at the end of the day um an inc- a very individualistic framework um but we live in a society you know, no person is an island. Unfortunately, like it just, it's just not, 
effect, it's just, it doesn't, it's not, it's incongruent with our reality. And what, what this public health emergency has taught us, if, um, if anything, is that, you know, we, we really are a collective and our individual health is premised on our collective health. And I think a lot of people are really struggling. No, not a lot of people. There are people who are really struggling to come to terms with that. And that's okay. But let's not throw a tantrum. Come talk to us because at the end of the day, um, you're, you know, like, I mean, there's been harm now done and there's been harm done to the communities, of, you know, nearby um, the occupation, to students, to workers who were being harassed, heckled, you know, that, that's been negative. But what about also the people at the camp who got COVID, you know, who've been drawn into this movement and now who have been really harmed by it? Um, I think, you know, I think we really actually have to acknowledge that this is harmful. This is, this is bad. Yeah, and we have to be able to reject it. I, I mean, you, you made a point about kind of combating conspiracy theory as well, and and that was one of the things that really struck me with the uh, with the coverage of this uh, of this protest is that it it has felt to me like if you're sufficiently online, you could draw uh, you could draw a, a pretty clear line from like the kind of stuff you see on uh, neighborhood Facebook groups through groundswell into the current protest as as like a an escalation of the same kind of conspiracy rhetoric and i feel like uh that's been undervalued or underemphasized in a lot of the coverage i would say so and i think like we need to draw that line because there are actual social media platforms and actual money being put into um to you know like keep this movement burning um and these people are responsible you know as i said there's a lot of harm has been done and a lot of very dangerous fires are being stoked um and i'm not interested you know like i I always say we need to look point to where the power is you know um speak speak truth to power and so who are the who who's funding like i mean i you know i've been to um you know we know we know what protest is um i'm a i'm a veteran of protest i uh you know i've grown up going to protests and this wasn't a protest so you know i'm trying to avoid using the word protest because to me this wasn't a protest um it was it was something else entirely but you know like i've never seen the kind of funding like you know i've been to a lot of protests you know there's a lot of funding going into these movements and I think we need to hold the people accountable because, you know, like you, you are, like you did see on the front lines yesterday, you didn't see the the so-called leaders of this movement battling it out with the police. These were young um, Maori and Pacifica men um, disproportionately. And I just, you know, these are vulnerable people as well. And I'm not taking away their agency because I do, their behaviour was completely wrong and, you know, um, and it was, and there was a lot of violence yesterday that was incredibly concerning, but, I want to hold. I want to point the finger at the people who have power and who should be held accountable for stoking these fires and um, for spreading this misinformation and taking advantage of people. Yeah, without taking away people's agency as well, because I do acknowledge that you know people made choices and they were not necessarily good choices. I would say they were bad choices. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, uh, you know, it's that thing where people make choices on the basis of the information they have, and and if if the the people. Uh, at the at the occupation, if you want to call it that, were correct about the stuff that they thought was going on. I might argue that their actions were justified. Um, so I, you know, there's there that, I think, that yeah, I, I totally I get what you said. I think it's the content. I think we have to focus on the content, and you know, um, 
and and what's driving people to and I think Jacinda actually you know um, spelled it out quite well in her speech yesterday where she you know she's she's thinking about what's driving people to feel so strongly that you know they they really believe this and that's um, yeah I'm really hoping that you know we can really start having a conversation about about these platforms. Um, and misinformation conspiracy theories, what creates fertile breeding grounds. I mean, um, uh, I'm not speaking on behalf of Aotearoa and Australia together because we, you know, we're only beginning to have these conversations. But, you know, as for myself, I think about how I do really think like hardship, poverty um, and, and suffering creates um, space and oxygen for that sort of thing to flourish because you're looking for uh, someone to blame, right? I mean, uh, you're angry and people can take advantage of anger. So, so, like, for me, I really want to look at how can we hold people, how can we support people more through the COVID response because we don't want public health to be at odds with people's well-being. We don't want people to be, fin- like, to suffer financially because they had to, um, you know, abide by public health, um, like, uh, directions or anything like that. So, so you know, really looking, and I do think the government, you know, needs to needs to be held to account on that. Like, I think we need to support people more. And I'm not, uh, again, I'm not actually excusing this. But I want to be clear, very clear about this. It's not. This is not an excuse, and it certainly is not to belittle or minimise what we've seen because it is dangerous and it is a threat to our democracy. But um, I do want to look at the root causes and I want to look at what is creating a fertile breeding ground for this kind of um, movement. And it, it's a dangerous movement, you know. When you look at fascist movements of the past, I mean, people, you know, people, you know, we get into this debate, like, not everybody there was a Nazi, of course not, but there were Nazis present. Fascist movements have never just been, you know, uh, made up of uh, loyalists or party loyalists or people really committed to fascism as an ideology. It's always been a mixture of people, often disgruntled, disenfranchised, you know, portions of it would be disgruntled and disenfranchised communities. It had a popular support base. What we're seeing here is, you know, a kind of contemporary proto-fascist movement. Um, and that's not to even, that's not to act to dehumanise the people involved or say they're, you know, they'll, they'll never be able to, we can't bring them out of it. It's just important, I think, to to name what it is at, at, a, at you know, like to analyse really the, the class character and the content of this kind of politics. And it is dangerous. And I think I'm really, I really think we need to make sure that we take action. Yeah, so that's that's about it. I think there's a, there's a missing step in terms of uh, a lot of the analysis as well in the sense that the, the people who at a high level, like the, the people who are putting money into this stuff, aren't necessarily super interested in the message. Like I think it would be a mistake to think that there are a lot of mu- people who are, are highly invested in necessarily like getting rid of vaccines or getting rid of vaccine mandates or or limiting public health measures or anything like that. I think the people who pour a lot of money into this stuff are interested in raising the temperature. They're they're interested in having more people being more mad more often. Um, and so it kind of doesn't matter what the issue is. Uh, this time it was vaccine mandates, but if if there's a pool of dif- disenfranchised, angry people, these people are gonna are gonna keep increasing the temperature. Yeah, I mean, I think we saw that with Groundswell as well, you know, and I think we've seen this now uh, escalate. And I, I agree with you. I, I don't necessarily think, you know, I think it, it would be wrong to just say this is about anti vaccines or conspiracy, you know, like particularly the anti vax movement. I think it's far more, it's more broad than that. 
and um, it is being stoked by people who don't just have an interest in um, getting rid of public health mandates. Um, you know, I, I, I think that there is an element to this of, of, of internet, you know, and I think, again, I, I, I don't find myself giving prop, props to just just in the very often, so you'll have to excuse me. <laughs> um, I'm a green voter. <laughs> no, just joking. Uh, I am actually, though. Um, so, you know, when she talked about how this didn't look like New Zealand and it didn't feel like New Zealand, I, you know, I, I think there's an element of truth to that as well. Um, you know, our country has become an international target for the right um, for various reasons, and it feels as though it's because, you know, um, our government in their COVID response didn't necessarily toe the line, didn't go along with the UK, didn't go along with the US, has um, has prioritised public health, but it's more than that, you know. We are a nominally centre-left, we have a nominally centre-left government. People on the extreme right seem to think that that means we're a communist dictatorship. It's not the case. But there is a lot of, we've become an international target and there's a lot of things internationally happening that almost could... You know, it's, it, there is some interference. There is interference that we have to be cognizant of, I suppose. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think that's a, a, a good way of looking at it. So, if people have been listening to this conversation and going "ah" or um, or nodding sagely or any of those ways of agreeing with us, um, like what what is the what is the strategy from your organisation? What what kind of things are you are you trying to do, and and how can people help? Yeah. So I mean, it's all about like. Ultimately, everything we've seen has been fundamentally undemocratic, right? It's about subverting, you know, this is a democratically elected government. Our public health response have been have a democratic mandate. This is about giving the people a voice. Um, I believe that in the face of these undemocratic movements, we have to mobilise to, you know, show um, that what the people want and what, you know, what we believe. Uh, so it's a mass movement for public health. Um, and we're going to continue organising. And the way you can get involved is, you know, go on the website, put your email in, be on our, our list, keep in contact. We're, all, we're helping organise a clean-up of, um, you know, the the lawn where the occupation took place. Um, we're, we're doing a bunch of other things to support the local communities who have been affected. But as I said, this is far more, this is far-reaching and it goes beyond just the, this, um, the occupation. Um, so we're going to think about how we call for um, political responses to these issues. Um, and I think we're also going to talk about how we need to support people more through uh, this state of emergency that we're in. You know, we're, you know, we're fighting a war. We're uh, against an invisible enemy and uh, we're at the peak of it right now. And I think, I think people, ordinary people need to understand that things will not get better until we organise and, you know, we are strong as a collective. So um, I am a union organiser, so that is what I fundamentally believe and I've seen it at work um, and I want to bring that energy to public health because there's a lot at stake for all of us, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Look, look um, thank you very much for that. Uh, now, yeah. when I went looking... Um, in in advance of this conversation to find the website, I discovered it is slightly difficult to search for. So, do you want to maybe give me the URL so we've got it That's said right. on the said can, on the interview? Sorry, sorry. I can do that. It is www.alteroa.together.org, and uh, we've also got an Instagram and Twitter page. But go to the website first, sign up to our email list first and foremost, and then give us chuck us a follow on. Uh, your, your social media of choice, really. Wonderful. Thank you very much. 
No worries. Cheers. You've been listening to another community interview on NPR. Also available on demand at npr.nz. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favorite show.